Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Today, we're going to take you inside VaynerMedia. We're interviewing Shirley Spitzer and Katie Sagan. They're going to tell you how to reach out, how to get your foot in the door, and what's an all-hands-on-deck meeting with Gary really like. Katie and Shirley, welcome. Oh my gosh. Well, how amazing that I was watching Claude yeah. on Adam Posner's live with her. Well, I've been following her for a long time, and you know, she mentioned that she gets asked to do interviews probably every day, right? <laughs> and she was like, I would love to highlight some rising leaders within the organization. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Like I'm always up for the people that haven't had their story told as much. I actually love when people have never been on a podcast and they've got like hidden amazingness. And then I get the exclusive. That's kind of my favorite. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been on other podcasts, but you see her on LinkedIn every single day. Yeah, small career, but yeah, it's always fun when she puns it to us. It's always a fun conversation. Yeah. And both of you, I'm sure, are usually the ones asking interview questions. <laughs> yes. It's funny to be on the other side of it. I would love to know, like, what kind of questions you ask to throw people for a loop and maybe not throw people for a loop, but like, what's the question that usually makes people pause? One of my favorite questions, and I have to give credit to a professor I had in graduate school, is if you were a business and I went to your homepage and went to your mission statement that listed, you know, what you're about and what your values are, what would it say? And I really like that one because we're so focused on culture and people first and values play such a huge role in everything we do day to day that for me, generally when I'm in an interview, that's what I'm looking for is, are you a culture ad? Uh, we don't say culture fit because we want everyone to, to bring something new to the company. That's one I really like. I think it's fun. If I'm being totally honest, my favorite question is what's your bagel order? Because I just think it says so much about somebody and I'm a Jersey girl at heart. So it's a very personal question. Plus I like just like the conversation more so with an interview because I think you just learn a lot more about somebody when their guard is down a little bit versus like being in interview mode. So that's always a nice way to kick things off, but probably similar like as a manager, like what would be the things that you would want to prioritize? I think especially is interesting if you're talking to a more junior person, because it, I think says a lot about what it is they either feel like they've missed or what it is that they like wish they would have in a leader. And I think it just says a lot in terms of like where their priorities are. So yeah. What kind of bagel girl are you? It depends on the mood, but if I'm going to go like on the cream cheese side, then it would be a whole wheat bagel with scallion cream cheese, tomato, and lox. And then if I'm going to go eggs, I'm a Taylor ham girl because that's Jersey. So pork roll or Taylor ham, depending on where you are from New Jersey, egg, cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, hot sauce, the whole shebang. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Like I'm that's not the order I would have guessed. 
Yeah. Well, I worked in a bagel shop in college. And so I like was really able to refine yes. my skills and like test out a lot of stuff too. Like I discovered things that I never would have ordered that I actually really like, but don't order on the regular. I also like can't eat bagels every day, which is a shame, but yeah. I did when I first moved to New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. Catches up with you fast. It does. It really does. Oh my God. So now I like really want to know about the bagel menu and like, what can you learn about a person by what they order with the bagel? A, I think their passion about the bagel is very interesting, right? Like immediately you have people like, oh, let me tell you. And like, it's a fun one to also do in like an orientation setting too, as an icebreaker, because you can see like the judgments that people have and the discussion and they're like, no, you're wrong. As if it's like a objective opinion at what the right bagel order is so that's always fun plus just to see how they react to because it kind of throws someone off a little bit that they're like oh that's a fun one and either people are direct about it right they know exactly what they want they say it or someone's like psychoanalyzing their own bagel order I'm like I just want to know I just want to know what you want to eat are you sweet or savory cream cheese egg what's, what's your deal there's a team I work with and we ask is a hot dog a sandwich <laughs> And I have never seen such intense emotions rise from this question to the point where sometimes I'm like, I don't think we can ask that anymore because so much judgment is then placed on the person if they don't answer the way the team has agreed to it. I'm like, there's some bias now. We we gotta be careful with this one. I would think too, like being in New York that you could use pizza. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, people also like, where's the best pizza, best style pizza. I don't feel as passionately about the pizza as I do bagels. I'm not as well informed, but I'm also spoiled because I don't think it's hard to get bad pizza in the tri-state area. And I grew up in the tri-state area, so. It's funny because I'm trying not to eat pizza or bagels these days. (laughs) You know. And, you know, I'm a mom of four. So when I think of bagels now, I think of like Dunkin' Donuts, like, everything bagel, egg and cheese wrap, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was like the first bagel that came to mind for me. And I think my bagel preferences have shifted as far as, you know, being able to go to a nice bagel shop and like get the locks, get the, get the schmear, get the scallions. Like, I don't get that experience anymore. Now it's like, throw it in the bag. Yep. Yep. I'm showing off right now. I also, I can't remember the last time I ordered like the layered sandwich because more often than not, I'm just ordering bagels with my family including my like two-year-old niece. And it's just, it's a bag and you'll get whatever cream cheese was on sale, quite honestly, when you're feeding masses. So I get it. I'm there on both ends. That's funny though, because when you go through the drive-through, you do have to specify that they toast both sides and then put the cream cheese on. And like, I don't feel like that should have to be said. That is, I had no idea. That is really funny. But that is a really great icebreaker. Another question I had for you guys was like, how do you get to the point where you can totally be yourself at a job? Like, I feel like I've kind of hit that point in my career. I'm like in my forties though. Thinking about it from like the intermediate perspective, I think so much of, especially when you're working with people who are newer in their careers, right? To your point, like, how do you feel like you can, as we say, bring your whole self to work? A lot of it actually, I think the onus is on the organization and less the person, right? Of like, have we built up enough trust with you that you know you can truly be who you are and you can be vocal about what it is that you want, your strengths that you have and how we can sort of deliver on that. I think 
if you're not in the right organization where you don't feel like you have the safe space to be who you are, then there's never a right time, right? Like you will never actually break down those walls. So I think initially, especially for, again, like newer careers, it, a lot of it's on the organization. But when I think about like what I've seen at VaynerMedia, where I hope that we've set up, and I think we set up the right sort of environment for that, I feel like it takes people like three or four months before they actually trust that what they're seeing is legitimate. And it wasn't just like a wall, right? Of us being like our best behavior. Like I always hear the feedback in the beginning and Katie, I know you definitely do is like, everyone's so nice. I can't believe everyone's so nice. How is everyone so nice and helpful? And it takes them a couple of months to realize it wasn't just because you were new. Like we really do want to help. And then that's when people start to like settle into their skin, if you will. Yeah, I was going to say the same exact thing. I think it's on the organization because you never can be yourself if the organization doesn't give you permission to. And so, so much of what Shirley and our team does is try to create an environment where people can navigate being their authentic self. Obviously, we're in a business environment and we're in a client service organization. And so there are some guardrails but I think what attracts people to working at VaynerMedia is that we are so authentically ourselves and sort of unapologetically ourselves. And that really starts with leadership, with Gary, with Claude, and also saying, it's okay if you don't know what you truly love or don't like, let's have those conversations together. We have a lot of entry level people coming in right out of college, some not having even attended college, and they don't really know what they like and don't like. And so creating a space where I, they can say to me, I don't actually like media. I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. And I'm like, that's okay. Nobody is going to punish you for that. Let's figure out what you like. And if you're an awesome person, let's see if we can find another place in this organization for you. I'll call Shirley. Hey, I have this incredible person. I actually think they'd be better suited on one of your teams. Let's have a conversation about it and move them around. For us, that's a big part of our job is helping people figure out who they are, what they're about. How do you know when you can't move somebody around and that they're not good for the organization? Yeah, I would say it's case by case, but I'll tell you, Gary, I say this to people on day one, no assholes. If you are not a good team member and you are not willing to help and teach, this is not the right place for you. It's quite simple. I don't like having competition between people on a team. I don't think that's healthy. I don't want them keeping information from each other because they're trying to get a promotion, try to really look at each individual and what they need. Obviously we have criteria that we we're trying to establish standardized criteria that, that we use, but not against one another. And my head went to a different place in terms of like, how do you, if they're not an asshole, if you will, and they're doing their best, like, how do you know, like, when is it time to say goodbye? I think that is the best case scenario is when it's more of a collaborative experience with the employee. And I have to say, like, when I think back on my career, those are the most, those are the moments that I'm the most proud of when you can come to a place with someone of like, listen, we've given you the feedback, we've given you the opportunities, we've looked at other stones to turn and like we're still coming up with nothing here why don't we have a different conversation where you can walk out of here either with your head held high or how can we help find you something else because of the network that Gary has because of the network that VaynerMedia has and that is so rewarding to be able to conclude someone's chapter at Vayner in a way that just feels so empowering to everyone involved so I think if you're doing 
who are doing our job well, partnering with managers who are doing their job well, and, and employees willing to collaborate and be a part of that process and open to that, then you know, and then it's time to have a different conversation. It happens in a, in a couple different ways. And sometimes it's just a matter of we've come to the conclusion that this isn't the right fit, but let's stay in touch. And sometimes it happens months later. We're like, hey, are you still looking? We have this opportunity or who can we connect you with? Gary's incredible about that. Every single time we have to say goodbye to someone, he immediately wants to know when it happened, how it went, and will often reach out and open up his network, whether that's beforehand or after to say, let me know how I can help them. I want to do whatever I can. And so that's a really, really amazing support that we have in our back pocket to be able to offer up to employees too. So Vayner kind of makes it easy in that way. We also have boomerangs, people who leave and come back. They were just in a different place in their life or maybe they weren't in the right role. And then years later, or not even years later, a year later, they'll come back. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I would love to know the questions that you ask them upon re-entry. How much did you miss us? <laughs> <laughs> Candidly, I think a lot of it, it's not an open door where anybody can just come back. Like we do look at how did they leave? When did they leave? Why did they leave? The decision does come down to leadership to see if like they actually do want to open up that door. But from there, it's just it's a conversation, which I think is so great of why are you looking for something else? And more often than not, like, we don't even have to ask the question. They're ready to deliver the information of like, Hey, I left. Cause I thought I was looking for X realized I had this at Vayner and I'm ready to just come back and do something totally new or keep going down this path or whatever it might be. Okay. So what if somebody said, Hey, I left because I was offered unlimited vacation and work from home. Oh, and a 25% Pay bump. They do come to us all the time and say, I have this offer. And we generally don't negotiate because we try to make sure that we are offering everything that we believe is right in terms of benefits that we offer more than we really probably should financially uh, because we're always trying to do the right thing. And we believe that people are in the right pay band. And every single person I believe at Vayner could go out and get another job and get paid more. This team is A plus. And so if every person did that, we'd be out of business pretty soon. A lot of what I see happens, it's kind of a nice thing is we get a lot of our people poached by LinkedIn and Google and Facebook. And that feels really good actually. And I am excited for people to have that opportunity. Do you believe that if they get poached and they get those kind of offers, but then they realize that Vayner was the best place they could ever be. Can that help them renegotiate a title or a pay bump? Depends. Yeah, it's really case by case because a lot of them will go for several years and then they really are in a position to come back at a different level. And, you know, there are junior people that I see and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be working for them one day. You know, I can't wait. <laughs> They're brilliant. The more experience they have and they bring it back, we want that. I also think we come from a really confident place. Like you made, you, you said the example of like they left for unlimited vacation and work from home and flexibility. I'm actually really proud of a lot of the policies that we do have. So I think that's part of like when people come to us and say, I'm going to get a 25% bump elsewhere. It's like, okay, but what other benefits are you getting here? You get strong management. You have a great working relationship. You're working on marquee brands. You have unlimited vacation, you have flexibility, 
and you have an organization that's willing to pivot too, which I think is really, really unique. And Gary talks a lot about in our all hands, like he'll say often, I don't recommend you chase the short term money gain, but like, if I can help you take a giant step in your career in the direction that you want to go into, that's a different conversation. I feel like that kind of conversation can be scary. I'll tell you, there was a situation I often laugh in my conversations where I come from a place of how can I help this person? How can I provide an opportunity? And I'll even say, I know this is a really weird conversation to have with your HR representative, with the people in the experience team. And you can be like, is this person really looking out for me? And I acknowledge that up front. But I think that we've proven in many, many ways and many times that like we really are looking out for the best interest of the individual, of the employee, of the teams, and ultimately the organization. The examples that I was talking about before where you've had people leave and we've helped them get there, like some of those conversations started with me coming to a performing employee saying, hey, this is a really weird conversation, but I have this incredible opportunity that I think you'd be great for. And this won't count against you if you say, yeah, I'd like to go interview. I'm bringing it to you. And that was a really unique case. Like that's not something we're doing every single day by any means, but I think it does go to show that we've created an environment that we can have that kind of an opportunity when it rises, right? And the same thing with someone negotiating, especially I think in the last year and a half with everything going on, honesty has just been the biggest tool that I've been using more often than not, because I think everyone just needs truth right now. And they need to know, are they safe? What can they expect? And I recognize that, and we recognize that people have realities of They need to take care of their families. They're thinking about how they can grow. They need to think about very real life things that work impact. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I'm a mom of four and pre COVID I had a full-time nanny and I'm sure other people were in that situation. What did that honest conversation look like? This is where I felt so proud to work at Vayner, especially when this first started and everyone was just trying to figure out what to do, the teams rallied around each other. So especially the teams where there were even new parents, you know, because that's a really like, that's already a lot to begin with, or parents that didn't have a lot of support at home and didn't have their usual support structures that they could rely on. And we just worked one by one with each person and their team to say, what do you need? Do we need to adjust your hours? Let's communicate with the teams and the teams. I mean, really, like I, I felt like I didn't have to do a lot because they were, they all rallied around and said, I'm going to take this off your plate. It was not realistic to expect somebody to be a full-time employee and a full-time parent. That's just, it's not real. And to expect that is not fair of any employer. And so it was, what can we do to help? I will say like at the very beginning when the pandemic hit, it it was such a natural pivot for all of us that nobody thought twice, like if someone's kid popped into the Zoom screen or the Hangout screen, right? There was no like, oh my gosh, that's unprofessional. What's going on here? If someone has to turn their camera off or if they say, hey, having a breakdown right now and I have to go attend to my three-year-old, like everyone is so understanding and supportive, even like having lunch on a meeting because you know that's their only time that they can do that. And I remember being shocked and realizing how grateful I was when I was seeing articles and in fishbowl conversations around people not even having that bare minimum of feeling that they could be comfortable if their child is just having a moment, even though they're on a meeting right now. And the fact that we 
just naturally already had that culture that we've cultivated for so long that that wasn't even a thought in my head that that's something we'd have to prepare for or we have to communicate out to the organization. Like we never had to say anything of like, guys, please be respectful and understanding and patient when things are going a little sideways. Like that was just so ingrained in us already. And I'm just really, really proud of that. I will say though, I'm not a Vayner parent, but I do know we have an incredible network of Vayner parents who also came together, taught, like we're able to just be like a network of support for one another. I'm sure the parents probably wouldn't say the same, but I selfishly have sort of loved it because I feel <laughs> even closer. I love when we start the calls and the kids come on and say hi and we all sort of know, you know, the, this wouldn't have happened, you know, they don't come into the office very often. And so I feel so connected and I've watched some of these babies grow up over the past year. Again, I'm sure the parents feel quite different, but it has been sort of lovely to, they're just part of the meetings. Yeah. I mean, even my husband was like, if someone has to hear a little bit of Elmo in the background while you have a call during the day, like what's wrong with that? But I feel like pre-COVID, I would have never let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. We're all sort of in this together. And it was just a traumatic year too. And so if there's one little thing that we can make easier, which is don't stress about your dog jumping on your lap in the middle of call, like whatever it is, like, why would we create barriers when we don't need to? So before COVID, would anyone get to work from home? We didn't have like a formal remote work policy. We had a lot of flexibility. If someone said, Hey, I have a circumstance where tomorrow I need to work from home. No problem on that end. But as far as like a formalized, consistent policy where individuals are remote, not so much because we really prided ourselves on being collaborative and that had to happen in person and that had to happen in the office. And I think COVID sort of showed us what was possible. But I also think that collectiveness that I mentioned made a big difference. We work with teams in different offices and different time zones. And you do feel the difference, I think, when 75% of the team is on is in the room and 25% is on the call. I think it makes a big difference that everybody's on the call, but I also think now it's ingrained in us where now we're used to remembering to click into the hangout, whereas before that wasn't part of our culture, you know, it's definitely a desire that we're hearing from a lot of people. So we'll have to sort of pivot if we want to be competitive too. So yeah. Like, do you think people want to come back into the office or do you think the majority of people are going to want to come back into the office less? I think it's mixed. Yeah. Like some people are dying to go back or missing that socialization. They want to be in the office. They like the structure. Some people are loving the total flexibility. I am finding a lot of people are in the middle and I count myself as one of them. I'd love to be back in the office a couple of days a week. And I love having my home office too. So we'll see what it all will look like. <laughs> also, I'm really super curious, like what an all hands on deck meeting is like. It's a lot of, I, so the, in the office, they were so much fun because it would be like Gary and whatever other leaders were talking that day, like literally up on a platform stage with a microphone with like just the open floor around desks and people sitting one on top of another. Now they're just fun because there's a lot of chat. We have like the chat room going during the call. And usually it's just Gary laughing with whoever he's speaking with on the phone. So you're just like a witness to it and everyone gets to put in their commentary. It's nice when everyone comes together. How much does he interact with people on a day-to-day? -day? All day, every day. If Gary could spend his whole day just talking to everyone internally, he would. Everybody has a cell phone. Everyone has his email. He is so easy 
to get in touch with. He prioritizes the team. He meets with every single person who joins. Claude is really his, his right hand uh, and an extension of him. And her job is to make sure she touches every single person in the organization. And then Shira and I and the rest of, of the team also get to be extensions of that as well. So there is a touch point for every single person in this company. I actually heard that he has an uncanny ability to remember people's names. Unbelievable. Not only just names, like random details that I don't remember. Like, I can't remember what it was, but I would, years ago, I was passing him in the hallway and I think he asked me about my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, you knew that I was dating someone? Like, it was so random. I'm like, how do you remember? He's so good. Like, and it's so genuine. And that's my favorite questions when people have him in interviews. How often do you see Gary or interact with Gary? And for that to be the response, everyone's like, what? That's amazing. Being able to explain that Gary Vaynerchuk is very different than Gary V that you see. And Gary Vaynerchuk is the CEO that I want to support, represent, follow, et cetera. It's totally different. A one-on-one with him, his phone is down. He's focused. He's completely present. I've never seen a CEO you know, that has the responsibilities like Gary does do that. You know, they're doing 10 things at once. Gary is just there present. You feel so valued and it's so genuine. That's amazing. I would love to know too, like when there's a new joiner, like what is the onboarding for a new joiner? And like, can you tell me some amazing moments that you've witnessed? So I can tell you onboarding, we do an orientation for every single new hire that everybody goes through. And One of my favorite things that I love is that last year we had two C-suite members start at the end of the year and they were in the same orientation as like some entry-level people and like they bonded, right? Like I just love that we level the playing field in that way. The onboarding beyond that is super contingent on the department that you're on, the role that you're in, the team that you're on. And we sort of rely heavily on those resources coming from like those individuals. Do you remember your onboarding and like what it was like when you first started? Yes, I can. Cause I started at Vayner. I never remember. I think it was nine years ago, maybe eight. I can't remember. <laughs> I distinctly recall there was no orientation at the time. Like it was just such a different organization, but I remember laughing that they're like, okay, this is your, your desk. And it was in the room that we called the quiet room. And it was a conference room that they already had had to convert to fit more desks in. And it's just like a bunch of kids, honestly, working around this room. And that that's all I remember from my first day. I was sweating it out. <laughs> I was actually, I believe it was you, Shirley, and a couple other people on the team who had just revamped the orientation. And I was the first group to go through it in January of the next year. It's the same one still being used today. It's amazing. And it's a four-day orientation. It's been tweaked a little bit for COVID. But still, I actually had my anniversary last week and everyone that I started with we were all slacking each other Gary and Claude emailed all of us to just say you know I'm so happy that you're here that's really sweet so they make a big deal about it we make a big deal about it here yeah that's one of the things that I think I miss the most about being in person is the celebrations and we celebrate everything we're annoying like that it's the anniversaries, it's the birthdays it's the engagements it's you adopted a new puppy like whatever it is like we are we are there to celebrate and toast <laughs> I really loved Shirley's eight year we got her like a massive eight balloon that hung on the back of her chair yeah. you couldn't miss it <laughs> 
everyone knew and everyone knew what it meant. And I got a lot of love. Yeah, it was really nice. That's amazing. It sounds like an incredible environment. Are there people that are introverts or shy and don't want to open up about their personal life? You know, I think we try to tailor it to what works best for each person. So some people want like a big party in the conference room surprise and others are really happy with a note from their manager and a gift card and acknowledgement, you know, so we work really closely with the management, the admins to make sure we're doing what feels best for each person. I think it goes back to what Katie was saying is that we want everybody to bring their whole selves to work and not everybody's going to be a Gary, not everyone's going to be a Claude. In fact, the majority are not, right? And so you kind of have to have the space for anyone to feel comfortable. And I, I actually had a recent example where I had a manager who's like having difficulty with somebody that they're working with that they're like, I just, you know, I want them to, to know that they can come to me to talk to me about anything. And I'm here to support them. I can feel that they're struggling. I thanked the manager. I was like, you know, that's so incredible that that's the type of support you want to be this person wanting to open up to you or not open up to you isn't a measure of performance though and isn't a measure of success here. So like open the door and make it available, but it's okay if they don't want to tell you what they're going through right now. We'll figure out a different way to support. And so there, there has to be that space because I understand that, right? And some people don't want to be part of the happy hours after work or be like, they, they want to go home and, and you, whether it's be alone or be with their family or whatever it is. So it's actually really important to have the room for all of that. Yeah, I feel like new managers probably struggle with that, you know, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Being a good manager means it it has to be individualized. It's not an easy gig. Like it's really really difficult to be able to individually understand what each person on your team needs. We take casting heavily into consideration with how we staff people. And I think it's really important. And what I really pride us on is when we talk about casting, no matter the department, it's not just about what brand is right based on your skill sets, but we also think about, will this person thrive under this manager? Is that the right uh, matchmaking that we're doing here? And, and really wanting to set people up for success as best as we can. So the other piece of this that I've been really focused on with the team is helping empower people to be their own best advocates. So I've sort of put it back on the employee to say, you need to speak up for what you need, right? You need to tell your manager, this is how I communicate. This is how I understand. This is how I learn. This is what my hopes and dreams are. And it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, everybody has the ability to do that but it's so important for people to say who they are and what they want. Help me help you. I can't help you if I don't know. The manager can't help you if they don't know. I love that, like helping them really find their voice. And take responsibility. They have so much control that sometimes I don't even think they realize how much control they have, especially at Vayner, where if you raise your hand to do something or you're interested in something or you wanna get involved in something, no is not really in our vocabulary. <laughs> we have so much to do. We are moving so fast. The more, the merrier. What is your interaction with Gary like on a daily basis? I don't think it's not like it changes seasonally. I think like there are some like seasons that I'm constantly hitting him up of like, and there are some seasons where I'm working much more closely with my 
well, more often, like with my department heads or, or something like that. So I think the what I love is trying to figure out the best way to scale everybody, right? And we want to make sure that we're not only getting information from the top, right? And so how we spend our time and how we focus our time is really important to make sure we're kind of spreading across the whole the whole way. So with Gary, he's definitely a part of it, but it, it changes whether that's Claude scaling him or us going directly or something like that. At least that's my experience. I don't know, Katie, you might have a different one. Yes, very similar. One of the things that I love about Gary is how much trust he has in us. So sometimes we'll disagree about an exit or we'll disagree about an approach to a difficult conversation. And he'll ultimately say, okay, but you're in charge of this. So I trust you. I know. And if it doesn't go well, I still have your back. And he has always held to that commitment. That's really beautiful. Did you ever feel like intimidated to talk to him and with the new hires, since he has that kind of like star power now, like, have you seen them get kind of weird around it? My meeting Gary's story is my favorite story. The first time I I went to meet him, I really thought I was going to pass out. I was so nervous. And I went in, we had the best meeting ever. And I was just like coming off of this high of the meeting, the anxiety going into it. And I ran into Claude in the hallway coming out of his office and I collapsed into Claude's arms. I was like, oh my gosh, I met Gary. It was amazing. And Claude was hugging me. Oh, I'm so happy you two finally met each other. What I didn't realize was that I was standing in one hallway. There's an elevator bank in the middle in another hallway. And Gary had and watched the entire thing happen. And Gary's standing there giving the heart symbol to me and Claude. And Claude's like, I'm so happy you two met. And at this point, I'm going to pass out. And I ran away. (laughs) I had to text Claude and Gary later and be like, I'm so sorry. I was just so emotional. (laughs) I had to go. I love that though. And that's something that you and Gary will probably never forget. Yes, it was hilarious. I mean, I'm I'm fine now. <laughs> I have a lot of the new joiners, especially people who are more junior, come and say like, what should I talk to him about? And I'm like, you really should prepare because he will answer anything. And we have these meetings, especially we have this resident program. So this is an entry level position and Gary will join for 30 minutes to an hour and he'll really answer any question. And I'm, it's usually me in there with uh, one of our EVPs and we always go, what like secret is Gary going to tell the group? Cause he's an open book. He'll tell you. <laughs> so we're like, ask really good questions. He's here for it. What is your dreams like within the organization? I would say we're just getting started. You know, we are 11 years old as a company and even in its current iteration, maybe four or five years old. And we are competing with the largest agencies in the world that have been around for a hundred plus years. So imagine what we're going to do in the next year, five years, 10 years. And so being part of scaling this organization is so exciting and it's going to continue to change. I just want to be along for the ride. You know, I told Gary on my two-year anniversary, like, I'm never leaving. (laughs) 
ever. <laughs> I clearly never did. So here we are. <laughs> I think that's actually a really good point though, because when I started at Vayner, I was in a totally different career trajectory. And it was very much because of the opportunities that were afforded to me or provided, like offered up, right? That now I sit within the people and experience team. And I never would have been able to predict that. So it's a little bit hard to say like, here's what my dream is. Like, I do think I always want to be part of the group that helps just continue to make Vayner Media the best place to work. And so whatever that gets packaged up as sounds great to me. Can you yeah. give us any like insider tips on how to get into Vayner? Reach out to us directly, quite honestly. Like, tell me what job you're looking for. We'll have a conversation, like no problem. Because I think so many people would love to work there. How do you guys find your candidates? It really does vary. We have a massive network where there might be referrals that we absolutely would want to connect with. At a bare minimum, I really pride our recruiting team for being so willing and enthusiastic about just meeting with anybody who asks to meet, like internally specifically. But it's through job boards. It's through people applying directly. We don't want to limit ourselves to our networks because that eliminates a lot of opportunity to talk to some really incredible talent. We diversify how we find our candidates because we want to have diverse candidates too, right? Like different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures, et cetera. So we have these three roles, creator, media resident, and post-creative strategists that are all great entry points into the organization. Those should all be posted on our job board. We're always hiring for them. And I think the requirements are quite different than you'll, have, you'll see on any other job description in, in the industry. Oh yeah, can you talk a little bit more in depth about that? That's awesome. So the media residency program is a, a three month program, a hundred different trainings. Plus you are actually working with clients on teams. The only requirement is passing a data set and then you go into the interview process and it's just an incredible way to learn. And then at the end, we extend offers based on business needs and performance. That's really cool. Yeah. Very good tip. Any other tips? With the creator position, it's actually really similar. So it's, it's our entry point for the creative department working within our Vayner volume model. Portfolios are helpful, but not required. It's also a similar, there's a content test, if you will, where you're creating unique content and seeing how you respond to that brief, if you will, and what you can create. The creator position is intended to be for those who are just, they just want to be part of the full cycle of content to create, ideate, and just put stuff out in the world and just let it run wild. That is, that is the role for you for sure. On the post-creative strategist side, the entry point for our strategy department, but it also lends itself well. There's opportunity because there is minimal, if any, there's no previous job experience required. And so we found that that's also a role that could lead into other avenues within VaynerMedia as well, whether that's creative strategy, potentially in other places as well. For all of our roles, we don't require like degrees, et cetera. Like we really want to keep it as open as possible so that talent can come from anywhere. As far as advice, like I think a lot of people feel like they have to be like the same match Gary's energy in terms of when they're applying. And that's certainly not the case. Like anytime we get inquiries coming through the website, they get passed on to us. Someone will reach out to the team. And I can't tell you how often I've reached out to people who have put in a request for a job and I never heard back. 
Like, I don't think people realize like, no, that's not an automated message. If you respond to me, I will get you in touch with a recruiter who's going to like connect with you. I will help you understand like, what are the roles that you're looking for? Let's make sure we're matchmaking here. So honestly, just the individual approach and being prepared with what it is that you want and how I can help you help me help you. It's exactly what Katie was saying. We're here. I love that. That's awesome. And what is the best way for people to connect with you? LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn direct email is also like fine by me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved connecting with you and thank you so much for having us. So daddy, what did you think? A very good interview, Rena with Katie and Shirley. And I think that a large part of our lesson for today is, is that you want people, especially in a, a media industry, they have to be able to show excitement for the leader of the company and be able to really express that they are willing to do things that are comfortable with themselves and where they want to be able to be part of a team where you can promote Gary in the best of light because what you do will reflect on him. So you have to really make sure that you have people that are on board with his message or they're in the wrong place. I like also how, uh, whether it's talking about bagels and cream cheese or whether it's talking about a sports game or whether it's about a, a walk in the park, you want to be able to get people comfortable where they'll actually be real with you and be able to lower their guard in a manner where they can speak freely about how they feel. Because in this particular industry, you really have to know if a person is really going to really be sensitive to Gary's needs and the organizational needs and where it's not just a maneuver to just self-promote themselves, just try to make some connections and are not really interested in the big picture. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show.